Perfect timing. The fucking dryer just ended. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for that sound to come on like halfway through the show. I was like, gonna be like, fuck the goddamn dryer. All right. On the Life Lab podcast, we are going to talk about acceptance. Um, I think first off, we're going to talk about um, how we define acceptance and like what does it mean to us. Um, I can kind of go first. Um, okay. I think acceptance is really just it's. It's kind of like the definition of what it is. It's like, are you accepting of yourself and do you give yourself like consent to, to kind of do the things that you want to do and then also allow the things that are happening to you and to not judge them in a good way or, 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 um, or a bad way and just kind of let them happen as, as they are. Cause sometimes you can't, you can't change what's happening to you. Um, and we'll get into this later, but it doesn't mean to not stand up for what you believe in. Um, I think it's just kind of taking things for what they are um, and trying to refrain from judgment of those either things, occurrences, um, ideas, people, beliefs, um, and just like the kind of good and bad that goes on with like your daily your daily life. Um, I think that's kind of a, how I look at acceptance, which is pretty broad, but yeah, how do you how do you look at it? So mine's probably a little bit less detailed and and more i don't want to say high level but more more of a broad approach and um for me it's more of a a um well i actually wrote it down um a non-biased a non-biased realization of your reality and whatever you're whatever you're looking at yeah um i like that and if I were to expound on that, it would kind of circle back to what what you were saying about um, uh, uh, removing, not removing emotion, but removing feelings from like what you're thinking about. But I took it a little bit differently. And for me, it seems like the faster I can like get over the fact that something happened and stop thinking about that it happened and that I wish it didn't happen, the easier my life becomes because the quicker I'm, I'm working towards a solution or actually moving mm-hmm. on instead yeah. of being like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. It's like, well, fuck it. The world moves on whether you're ready or not. You get in a car accident, you lose a job, you break a leg, you realize, I mean, for me, when, when I first was thinking about what would I talk about acceptance? Um, or as it relates to acceptance was obviously at one point, like I realized I was not in a, in the physical condition I wanted to be in and had to really think about how I got there and, and what to do. Um, and then as it relates to work, like I had a job when I was 22 that I just, I loved. And then um, I had worked there for several years and expected to be there for a really long time. It didn't work out the way that I had planned. And at that time, like looking back on it, I could see how acceptance would have made that a smoother transition. Was this Volleyball USA? Yeah, I was at Volleyball USA. Um, and there, you know, I kind of had a gentleman's agreement with the owner to like when I'm done with college, it's going to turn into this career move. And um, and then, you know, not to put in anybody on the spot because it's a great life and career stepping stone there, but there's definitely some misunderstanding between me and the owner to where I had an expectation and 
I felt that he had kind of reneged on his end of the deal. And so I was like, Hey, this, this sucks. Like I, I've worked here for several years throughout college, like helped you build this business, helped develop products, like had no idea what I was doing, but it was a good opportunity. And like it, it really, it really bothered me when we got to this point where he was like, Hey, if you don't want to be here, then don't come back. And I was like, that's essentially like what he said. Yeah. And I was like a stubborn 22 year old where I was like, well then fuck you. I'm not coming back. You know, instead of just coming back and like making it work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, How did it get to that point? Like, why did he, why were you like, I'm going to leave? And why was, was it, yeah, just explain on that. He had essentially, I don't even remember what the numbers were, but like I was making good money as a college kid and I had a good gig. Like I could essentially go to class and just come back and work, you know, and just like clock in on most of my own schedule. Like I'm also playing collegiate soccer and living a pretty normal college life, like going to class and fucking around and partying and stuff. And, um, and there was some like essentially like a guarantee, Hey, when you're done, this is how much you're going to make and you're going to continue doing the things you're doing and sort of latch on to a couple of them. And one of them was like product development where in a roundabout way, like I had stumbled onto a couple of ideas to like, fit gaps in the market of like beach volleyball. What's, what's an example? I think this is interesting. This is really there's, interesting. there's a great one actually. And I still, to this day, I see it because I live right next to the court and obviously I play volleyball all the time. Um, <clears throat> it was a great business. So I, I'll never undervalue for me, the exposure to someone like him who created a business out of necessity. He was a young volleyball player. All the volleyball nets that he would buy would fall apart. He started sewing volleyball nets with his mom in their house. And over the years, he got he improved the quality of each component, better thread so that the thread that they used to sew wouldn't mildew and like rip out of the net, mm. better vinyl, uh, coated actual netting and understanding that you're going to build a professional court, but there's going to be kids hanging on the net. It's not the kid's fault if he hangs on it and you break your net, but that's your brand, right? So he, he was he's addressing issues that come with with building these courts. And one of them was um, for a lot of cities and businesses, like they would come in and kind of have like a blank check and like, Hey, we need to build a court, but we don't really know what we're doing. Tell us what to do. And a lot of the things that we would sell were obviously based around the quality of play. If you were a serious volleyball player, here's some things that your players are going to want. And with that, this is a totally random tangent, but it'll, it'll come around to this product development thing. With that, there was an understanding that a good volleyball player will drive an hour to play on a good court, but will not drive five minutes to play on a bad court. So if you have bad sand, sand with rocks in it, no one's going to play. Even if it's on the water, it's gorgeous. I'm not sacrificing my feet, my knees, my elbows to dive around. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of places would like take sand from like a golf course, different sand. Golf sand is meant to pack. Your ball is meant to land in it to be a punishment mm-hmm. for your golf shot. In volleyball, it's supposed to be forgiving. All these things that you kind of can only understand if you're a player. You know, anyway, one of the things was you put in your sand pit. Well, how do you contain the sand? Well, you put two by 12 pieces of wood around the sand pit, um, landscaping fabric under it, PVC pipes to drain it so you don't lose your sand. It's the most expensive part of the volleyball court. Um, but then you've got these two by 12 pieces of wood that are one or two inches above the ground on either side. Kids are getting splinters. 
people, you're playing volleyball, you're running and you're, you know, sometimes you're going to run over that, you fuck your toe up, yeah. whatever. So he's like, we need to figure, we need to figure something out that can be strong enough that we can fasten it to the two by 12 piece of wood. Um, and is this under the sand? No, this is, this, is, is, this is essentially the piece that separates the sand from the grass or the sand from the surrounding landscape. Okay. So it's like the outer, landscape. The right. outer like border frame right. of the entire court. Correct. Okay. And, and um, so you have this two by 12 to contain your sand because if it rains, your sand will wash away unless you have something holding it. So you kind of had to have something, but there was a problem that came from putting that there is that people would jam their toes. And in a city park, they tried and reduce liability. They'll spend... Thousands of dollars on things you would never imagine just to avoid lawsuits, right? And it was a complaint. People were jamming their toes and getting splinters. Those are like the main things. Kind of a silly thing, but it's like it's real. And I, um, as a childhood, actually at the time, lifelong baseball player, I was I'm like thinking, I'm like, well, on baseball fields, on like the chain link fences for like the home run fence or even the foul fence, there's a little like rubberized piece of plastic that goes around mm -hmm. the fence. You're probably familiar with yep. it. Like yep. at most baseball fields, it's like bright yellow. Yep. Right. And I was like, what about this? And we would buy from a lot of like wholesale sporting goods companies around the world that you'd never heard of, but they make all these things. I was like, let's buy six feet of it. They sold it in six foot increments and see if we can go attach it. We bought it. We took it next door We'd sell it for like $3 a foot. It cost us like 50 cents a foot. It became like one of our most profitable, awesome products. I didn't develop a product, but I had this idea yeah. to see if it would apply to be a solution. And it worked, worked really well. And eh, like there were a handful of things like that that I helped with. He, as a professional volleyball player, didn't think of this. I did. And, you know, I think he respected some of the perspective I brought and there was some value. And so I was... When it was like, hey, when you're done, like you're going to come on full time, help build this business. And then he was kind of like, well, yeah, I want you to come on, but I don't want to pay you. But like I said, I was going to. And I was like, well, fuck this. Because like I'm clearly I'm legit as mind you at the time as a 21 year old who has aside from being in business school and a few jobs, <laughs> no business experience. But I'm realizing I'm adding tons of money to the bottom line here. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want to bring me onto this? So it hurt my feelings. Right. Totally. I'm like. Fuck this guy, right? Yep. Where now, you know, that's how business is. There's not a lot of feelings and emotions in it most of the time. Um, so had I had a better view of acceptance at that time, like maybe I don't leave or maybe I understand that in the long run, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that I don't work there anymore. Obviously, it turned out that, you know, I'm probably happier now that I don't work there, but um it definitely, it definitely fucked me up for a few months because I had invested several years in it. At first, I was just happy to have a job. Yeah. Then, then as you get more experience and you yeah. get more, you're like more, it comes like a part of you. you right. It's and the other thing was, I saw how, th this guy was very successful before me, right? But I was helping and, you know, sales are growing and, you know, He's got a sweet house in Kirkland and he's making crazy improvements to it. And I'm a college kid just trying to get by. And I'm going, hey, I want to get to this point where like some of the fruits of my several years of working here turn into something that can help me build a family, help me like, you know, improve the quality of my life. And then when it got to this point where he was like, ah, you know, thanks, but I you know I'm just I, I still want to keep paying you like you're a college kid. I'm like, well, 
I'm not a college kid anymore. Yeah. And um, I like, you know, I stopped going to that job and I was, I was pissed. And I remember my mom at the time was like, you need to go back in to work. Like you fucking suck it up because you have a job and you're lucky to even have a conversation with the owner and the CEO of a company. And he's still just giving you an opportunity. We're in the state of Washington. You can be fired without a reason. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. What time is this? Is this in like 09, 2010? Yeah. Like right around there. Cause yeah. I graduated 09. Yeah. So it was right around that time. So it was like a bad time for yeah. me to be like, it was a great time for me to have a job that I could build on terrible time to lose one. Right. Mm -hmm. I ended up going to arena sports, like working, you know, refereeing, managing the memberships there. But, um, it's an interesting example of how, you know, I probably could have moved, moved on faster or maybe would have handled, handled it differently. I could have come back to work in spite of the situation and then maybe turned it into something, yeah. you know, whereas I think because I, I didn't accept realities and because I was too emotional about it, I wasn't able to use or apply any sort of like business smarts or mm -hmm. tactics. I was like, I feel betrayed. Yeah. So I'm not going. So that's like, like exactly is like you essentially were attaching those feelings that you were having to yourself and to him. And like, this is like, what we'll get into further, but like with acceptance, it's like, if you're able to kind of take those thoughts and remove yourself from them, you can not only like look at them and evaluate them better, but then you can then act on them. Um, Your decisions are so way. much more sound. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was acting out of spite. I, like yeah. you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to go in and that's going to hurt his, he's going to admit like, he, you know, he's, he's fucking fine. Like, yeah. you know, but I was thinking that way, which did not benefit me at all. Yeah. I think that just comes with like experience, but yeah, um, I mean, you're 21, 22, yeah. what do you expect? But, but that's crazy. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Kind of, kind of a funny story. Um, and now it comes full circle. I think his kids are like friends with, Rick and Dave's kids. And so like they like, you know, I, I see him. I, I like know him and yeah, it's just kind of funny. That is really funny. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very careful when I, when I tell that story or talk about it to not totally bash it because without those experiences, like we're nothing yeah, like, you know, exactly. if you're not learning or getting, getting your feet kicked out from under you every once in a while, you don't know how to recover from things, yeah. you know? So how many people like lost a job that they cared about when they were 21 yeah. or 22 and, you know, came back from that. It's not like I lost a, like a fortune or legacy yeah. or something, but I had to deal with a little bit of it's all, it's adversity. All, we see this all the time. It's like, it's all relative to yourself at the time. And at the time, yeah. like that was a huge deal for you. Like yeah. at the time that was like, what you thought your career was going to like morph into. You probably had uh, big ideas of like you maybe becoming like a joint partner with him mm -hmm. or like developing more products and then having direct revenue based off of those products and how they were doing and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure those were all types of thoughts that were going through your mind. Yeah. Um, and for them not to have that happen to you is it's hard. It's hard. Like acceptance is like not an easy thing to do and it's easy to like get away from it. Um, yeah. That's yeah, it. the other thing that like I'll add because I think it applies to some of our other things is like I felt like I was owed something. Yeah. And realizing that you're not owed anything by anyone, yeah. by this world, by your parents, like nobody and that's a that's a that's a tough pill to swallow, but the sooner 
anybody understand it understands it, the more equipped you are to handle anything. You know, I think that's why, I, like, why I was so upset, butt hurt by it was yeah. because it's like, dude, I helped you do something. I mean, and even just the way I'm still thinking about it now, I helped you when really that was his business. Yeah. He gave me the opportunity. I was still a dumb, naive college kid, but like, because I felt, you know, that I was entitled to something because of what I had contributed. I felt so much more sour. Yeah. Whereas if I had this thought now, say for whatever reason, I go to work tomorrow and place is boarded up. I'm not skipping a beat. Like I'm not going home and crying to myself going like I deserve to have a job today. It's like, there's no like, and I, and this hurts me in my relationships in, in, or with with my girlfriend in some cases where when something happens, I, I'm like, I can't I can't sit and and like meddle. I'm like, let's fucking move on. Yeah. Like there's a solution somewhere. Yeah. Let's stop, you know? And so it's it's a gift and a curse yeah. like sometimes. But like if I were to lose my job today for whatever reason, because there's ninety nine reasons that are out of my control, mm-hmm. like I feel like I'd be lucky in the sense that because I'd been through that and because we've had these talks and you know i've i've come to learn more about acceptance over the years that i'd be really fast to move on yeah not that i'm unemotional not that i wouldn't care but like i would know the world's not waiting for me to uh-huh. be ready to move on yeah but the quicker you realize well fuck i get a paycheck from this building mm-hmm. in 2 weeks it's time to move on so like and there, I, there's and a I think, about it i think there's a difference between grief and like a grieving period i think everyone is allowed that for specific things but um and i think later down the road though acceptance is what's going to help you move past those types of those periods of grief because someone passes away something really bad happens to you health blah blah blah, blah. i think you are allowed uh everyone is allowed a specific grief period and those periods change based off of each individual um but Going back to the acceptance and the further you can accept that those things happened, the further that you will be able to better place for yourself, but then you'll also be able to better place to aid others and move on and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so like pretty good segue and you talking about your job and, and deciding to move on. Like I, as you know, like I've been currently in the job search now for two, two months now, but I've been unemployed. Um, so my story of like recent acceptance is I, um, was had like a kind of a I've had a lot of informational interviews with this one company Um, had this one informational interview with this gal and I'm talking with her about how I'm really torn between like these two positions like the position that I'm talking with her about which sounds like it's kind of like tailor made for like me to step into if I want it and then this other role which I made to the very final round of interviews um, I thought I did really well I thought I nailed it thought I was like really well qualified Um and I told her like I'm really torn between this these two things, and then I leave. I I hadn't heard from the company um, in a week, and I and I was like, hey, I'm going to follow up with them, and I I give them a call. They give me a call back, and they're like, hey, like sorry, we decided to move on with somebody else. And I was like, hey, like like why? Like really love to know why, so that I can not only improve my skills, but then for the next time I'm in this type of position, I can then be better equipped to get that job. And they were like, honestly, like we thought you were great. We thought you were a great culture fit. 
really just the difference between you and this other person was that they come from experience of being in that specific industry where I was going to be moving, mm. pretty much moving industries. Meaning um, they were in that like home improvement yeah, space? Okay. So they were in the home improvement space and I was going to be moving from the cloud space into the home improvement space. And they're like, that's really like, they're like, we can't like, they had an unfair advantage. And like, that's just the nature of things like, yeah, yeah, you're like totally right. I, I, I was like, oh, I can't fight with that. But I didn't realize this at the time, but I was fucking pissed. And, and I found this out on my way to go, cause I'm unemployed now. So I can go play golf like whenever I want. And it's a beautiful day on like a Friday and I'm driving to the golf course. I'd already like, called it ahead to see if I, I can play and um i get on there's no one playing with me and i'm just playing by myself and i'm so bad like i can't hit any shots i'm just like like getting madder as i hit a bad shot as i hit a bad shot um and i'm just like i like stop keeping track of my round like keeping track of my score which is how you know it really gets bad with me if yeah. I, i'm doing bad and i like it was just like man that sucked and I, I think I didn't realize how much like I wanted that position. And I don't really know why I wanted that position. Maybe um, I just thought it would have been tailor fit and I liked everything they had to offer. Um, and and so I sent a text to that gal who I had an inter- informational interview with. And she's like, honestly, um, you're not going to want to hear this. And this is after my round. She's like, but that probably wasn't the right fit then. Um, and, I would, and I didn't respond. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you had a shitty day of golf. A shitty day of golf. Found out. Reflecting, you found out about the job before golf. Before golf, you go to golf. Golf sucks. After golf, you're reflecting. I'm like, and you and and you and you go to send a message. She said. She sent. I sent a message to her saying, "Hey," because I was talking about how I was torn between these two positions, like the position that she's offering, and that's like seems like so different job. Different job. Different company. Different company. Sorry. I got lost as to as to. I didn't want. I don't want to name names. What encouraged so. you to go send this message um, and to who and what you said? So because you, I, I'd had this conversation and I've been have like I'd had such a completely transparent conversation with her. This is with like a, a tech cloud consulting company, and I was like, I'm really torn between the home improvement position um, company and your and your like cloud tech okay. company. And I was like, honestly, like. I would probably say that the home improvement position is number one and you guys are like 1A. But like if I got a position, if I got an offer, I would probably accept it from the home improvement. And then I told her as soon as I found out, like I'll just keep her very apprised of like all like updates and stuff like that. And so I sent her a text after I found out that um, I didn't get uh, it. I was like, hey, just wanted to give you a quick update. I just found out that I didn't get the job. Um, so you said I'm, because, I'm upgrading you from 1A yeah, to, yeah, to which, capital one. Yeah. Um, which she appreciated, I'm sure. Um, but I was like, it's because I didn't have that experience and that's why she, that's why she said it probably wasn't for the right fit. So I, and I had like such an open dialogue with her. We went for like an hour where I like went through all my thoughts, like probably wouldn't do this with like a normal, like, yeah, because she's like a good reference from like one of our like, um, good friends. Um, so that goes on. I've been reading this book at the same time. Um, about the mental side of golf and I'm reading it that night and I'm like processing my thoughts, how I played terrible at golf, how I didn't get this job um, that I really thought I would have been really great at. And it gets to this part and the book is by Bob Rotella and it's called golf is not a game of perfect. 
and it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal book for any golfers out there i recommend getting reading it and at one point he's talking about how the pros are only going to hit like 13 out of like 18 greens or something it's like essentially like i see pros who are able to move on from bad shots because they're accepting that they're not perfect players right and the problem is amateurs so frequently expect to be perfect oh, all yeah. the time oh yeah and so when their game isn't perfect which it rarely is they get more mad and more mad and more mad and so you're going farther case. and farther away from acceptance and getting more and more into resisting acceptance of your game not being perfect right that your game starts to like snowball effect into terribleness you're which is exactly mad. what happened on yeah. on friday when i was golfing Exactly what happened. I could not accept that I was going to hit a bad shot. I couldn't accept anything at the time. So it's like the opposite of snowballing momentum. Yeah. It's like the worse you play, the more frustrating, yeah. the more frustrated you get, even though you, you know that you're a better player. Yeah. And so with every shot, not only are you getting more mad, you want to get back on track even more. Yeah, so I'm trying. So it's more and more and more every like shot. All, like, I'm trying like all the techniques like at the time, but like I'm just, I'm just, because I wasn't able to accept them, I wasn't able to truly move on and focus on the next shot. Yeah. And so I was trying to like, all right, well, like it's all in the past. Like, let's just work on this moving forward. And I couldn't do it because I wasn't able to accept that yeah. I wasn't playing perfect, that I didn't get that position, like blah, 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 blah. Um, so then on top of reading that, that passage in that book, which is perfect. Same night of the golf this round? Is the same night. I read it that night. Um, is this the same same day you found out you weren't getting the job? Yes. This is this all, is a this busy is all day. It is a busy day. Okay. Um, and so as um, our listeners might know and you know, I, list, I use Headspace as the meditation application. And on the next day, I have a golf tournament. And... <laughs> I'm playing a golf tournament. So I'm like, this is not going to be good. And I'm texting my friends. It's like a three-person golf tournament. I'm like, I had a terrible round. I'm fucking – like, it was just awful. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be any use. But reading that passage in the book really helps. And then I went to the Headspace app, and I, like, looked. And I was like, is there anything on acceptance? Because I fucking need something to, like, help me move on. And there was. And so I listened to um, the acceptance one, and, and we'll get into this in a little bit. and. It essentially talks about um, he goes through and is talking about like don't resist like like he essentially asks the questions like what are you resisting in your life right now and I was like well I'm resisting that I played terrible I'm resisting that I didn't get that job so that probably means I'm resisting that I'm a valuable person you know like so I'm resisting these things that like I didn't really have. Um, much much thought in at the time and Jenna meanwhile is at like a bachelorette party so it's like I have like the the, the, the house myself so I'm just like total reflection mode for better or for worse yeah um, I was awake at 3.30 in the morning so I got like four hours of sleep so I was it was yeah it was rough this is a rough 24 hours and go through the whole meditation app um, and, he, and I essentially is like what are you resisting in your life and it like really helped me to just notice that I was resisting those things like that I didn't get that job, that I played a bad round of golf, that I had a terrible ton of shots and I was able to just accept them. And it was like, it was like a weight off my shoulders. And, and in, in the app, he talks about when you ask that question, what are you resisting in your life right now? And he just says like, pause and like, think about 
a feeling if it comes up. And the feeling that came up was happiness. It was, this is actually insane. Like I started feeling happy, like so happy. Like, and I literally started getting like a smile on my face, like while I'm meditating at like 6 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, today's going to be a fucking great day. I had like four hours of sleep. That's going to be a great day. I play golf. Like, with, so like, just to step back, you're in the app and the OG Andy Pudicom yeah. whispers through his phone into your eardrums and he says, what are he says what are you resisting what are you resisting in your who or what are you resisting in your life right now and you the first thing that pops in your head is the word happiness the, just the feeling of happiness i just like start and, and you think it's happiness. correlated to this last day that kind of went poorly and you're just going i just, I just sort of feel good is i think it became i accepted that those things happened i accepted that i didn't get the job and like because i was able to accept that those things and accept and I was able to then accept myself and others. Yeah. I was able to experience happiness. Yeah. Because once you can accept yourself, you can open up your doors to so many other types of positive emotions and things and possibilities. Yeah. But I think I was able to do that. And then I play like some of the best round of golf I've ever, like ever played. My putting wasn't that great, but I, did not get mad one time. I kept such a great attitude. Yeah. Um, I hit some like freaking incredible shots. I had my third ever eagle. Hmm. Like it was, it what was course? Um, Hawks Prairie down south. Hmm. Um, it was like, it was incredible. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it was crazy because it was just such a flip. And this is off of like three or four hours of sleep where I did not sleep good. I, it was awful. Um, and I was just able to accept it. I was even accepting of like, you didn't get good sleep. Accept that. It's okay. And like, it totally like just changed. It's like, it's only, it's only baggage if you let it be. Yeah. If you let that round of golf, if you let the job, if you let the bad sleep be baggage, like, I, I don't know where, I think I got this from Gary B actually. Like we are the best salespeople when it comes to ourselves, mm -hmm. we will sell ourselves on why to not do something, yeah. why we can't, why we will fail. And I think it's so true that if you're like, well, I slept like shit, so I'm going to play like shit. Mm -hmm. You're fucking right. Yeah. Like you're just right. There's because there's no one else in that factor. And you're yeah. just, you've convinced yourself and you're stacking the cards against you. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, had you thought much about acceptance before reading that book? Or not did it really. kind of just come up? It kind of just, the universe works in crazy ways and it just came sure up. Does. It came up when I like, at that time I like just really needed it. Um, which is why it was crazy. It was like, it came up not only in that book, um, but then it came up in like, the, there was like, there actually happened to be like a little pack in the headspace app yeah. for acceptance. So shout um, out to Bob Rotella. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's interesting. I don't want to hijack this too much, but in my little notes here, I have the word acceptance in a cool like font and uh, display that I think is artsy. And then I have a quote. Um, but before I get to that, I think um, it can, there, there's an interesting segue in. I've always heard that golfers, much like all athletes, but golfers specifically benefit greatly from having a short memory, teaching yourself mm -hmm. to either forget about the last shot, whether it be good or bad, because regardless, the only thing you have is the next shot. Yep. So if it's a really good last shot and then your expectations get out of control for the next shot, mm, could be detrimental. You want to obviously 
have the momentum of good confidence and rhythm, but you don't want to get too out of control. Obviously, like you can see how that can snowball negatively in a bad shot. You know, then you're then you're thinking poorly about the next shot. So I'm I'm not I'm not too surprised that uh, Bob Rotella said that, but uh, that is it's pretty crazy that not only is it in there, but that it it presented itself to you at a time mm-hmm. when you actually really needed it. And so the the something that when I just started trying to take notes about what to talk about for this podcast, there there is a quote, ironically, um, from Stephen Hawking as as he uh, yeah R.I.P. to the God. But there's a quote that I always kind of heard, and I, I didn't even really know that it was his. But as I went to look it up today, um, I realized it was his, and it's kind of cool. Obviously, unfortunate that he just passed, but uh, his legacy, legacy will live on with with quotes like this. But it's that the greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance, but it's the illusion of knowledge. Interesting. And to me, it's having the humility to go read that book or to go meditate. And, and I think for both of us, it, it speaks to something that started, I'll I'll hopefully try and figure out how to bring this back to acceptance or, but something that started when we first started listening to podcasts specifically for me, when like I realized I wasn't where I wanted to be like health wise in that, like one of the worst things you can do is think that you know everything. And Obviously, like creating that barrier, which so many people have, which we all still have in certain mm-hmm. subjects, topics. We've been around something for so long that we just think we know enough. Um, but the fact that the simple humility of knowing that there's something more to know about something or that you can still learn something, it it's like the first step to like Googling that thing, opening that book trying out meditation, even though it sounds kind of funny at first, like to me, I think it's led to all of this and everything that we're doing. Um, and it's a weird acceptance because like, dude, even five years ago, I feel like I was so much more, um, stubborn. Yes. Like you just kind of feel like, you know, enough, like, fuck, I made it through college. I got a decent job, like doing okay. And like, and I, I don't know. I feel like there's this like, it's like encouraged to kind of be a know-it-all, especially in a certain age group to be a know-it-all. And then when you, something that I love from like Joe Rogan is that like, that guy is so wicked smart, but he talks to people and you, we learn so much because of the way that he interviews Mm -hmm. and the way that he interviews and asks questions and says, what do you mean by that? And encourages people to go on is, is sort of acceptance that there is so much to learn Mm -hmm. and, even when you know so much about a thing, there's so much more. So I don't know. Anyway, I think that's no, I it's think kind that's, of an interesting quote. Yeah. That's sort of the um, in somewhat the core of, of the idea of acceptance is that in order to evolve, you're accepting the fact that you're not the best, that you haven't done all you can do. You haven't read. There's more to learn. You may have improved, but you're still doing it wrong. Like whatever it is, and yeah. like at its core, like having that genuine humility and curiosity leads to like our evolution. Yeah, of, of like it could be your golf swing, it could be your career choice. Like mm-hmm. just the simple acceptance of, you know, I can learn from anybody yeah. at any given time, and it 
dude, it makes me sick when I hear people in kind of a dismissive tone say things like, oh, yeah, I already know all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. No, I know. I've, yeah, I've heard that. Okay, well, what are you gaining by telling people that you know everything? Yeah. And what could you stand to gain if you shut the fuck up and just listen to what someone has to say from their perspective? Yeah. You know, I, I just think that's interesting. And, dude, I could, I could literally lose my mind when that, when that happens sometimes. Yeah. I think partly because sometimes I see it in myself. And I know that I yeah. had that in my younger self in times where totally. I just thought I knew best. Anyway. Yeah. No, I think that's... I think that's an important point is that as soon as you accept that you don't know everything, that you're not the best, that you're not perfect, that like, like I said, opens up the doors for you to go and then learn more and like yeah. better yourself. It's um, nothing to be ashamed of. It's everything to be proud of. Yeah. If you look at some of the greatest, you know, intellectuals and people, like they're just constantly learning and, yeah. they're, and they, they cherish any opportunity to talk to someone who might have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like you talk to a, um, I forget who it is. I don't know if it's Gary V or Tim Ferriss or one of those guys, but like any chance you have to talk to old, older people, like if you turn that into like, instead of, I mean, I think in some cases we can all view our parents as sometimes you think it's like an obligation. You got to go do this thing or do that thing. Yeah. But at some point a few years ago, for me, it turned to like, my mom has so much more yeah. to offer than I was giving credit for that asking a little simple question and she doesn't even know it sometimes, but being like, tell me more. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? You well, why did you do that? Get their, th- their, th- their head thinking. Yeah. Well, you extract did, their thoughts. Were we talking about this the other day. This is, this, this is just an example of something that was discovered, but she had a pin on yeah. her thing about 11 years of giving blood. Yeah. And I was like, Oh cool. She's like, well, that's nothing compared to the 20 years of giving blood in California. And I was like, well, what, what, what? You like, why did you give blood? I didn't tell you the story. Yeah, you did tell me the story. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, when I was 18, like, as she puts it, our boys needed blood because yeah. we were at war. And, like, to me, it was just, like, such an eye-opening thing because I'm 31. I've known for my entire life my mom gives blood. Yeah. I don't know why. I've never asked. But, like, it's just it such a crazy example of, like, if you take the time to ask a question pay a little bit a bit of attention like you might learn something totally i don't know whatever weird sidebar but exactly no that's that's great um so kind of talking on like the more um kind of there's this thing called um acceptance commitment therapy which after doing going through the the meditation um i realized that that's kind of essentially what the meditation was it was um it's act or accept acceptance commitment therapy accept your reactions and be present with them choose a value direction and then take action so essentially it's accept things as they come without evaluating them or trying to change them and this is can be really developed through mindfulness and i think this is where meditation for me has helped like i think we've talked about this where like i've noticed when i when i'm sad i like was able to notice when I was happy that day. Like I was able to, I've been able to notice more emotions that I'm having and I've not resisted them. Like I've noticed when I've been sad and I've told Jenna, like I'm feeling sad right now. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I have no idea why there's no reason for me to be sad, but I am sad. Do you get some joy out of the identification and, and kind of sharing that? I kind of do actually. Um, because 
I think it helps me to recognize that I'm feeling that way. I don't recognize it all the time. And it only happens sometimes, but the more times I do recognize it, the more that I can react accordingly to either not essentially react in the benefit of others and myself so that I'm not creating difficult situations and that are going to create like just bad things that are going to happen. Like maybe I say something stupid because I'm angry, but if I can know that I'm angry, if I can recognize that and then take that and then kind of going down that on the ACT, the acceptance therapy, um, commitment therapy, then then say, once you notice that you have one of those, um, um, reactions, then kind of, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, so then essentially once you see that you have one of those reactions and those emotions, um, accept it and then learn to experience, and then like you're essentially learning to experience those range of those emotions that you're having. So from sad to angry, to, to mad, to anxiety. Um, and then once you're able to like, you're, you're able to broaden the, the, the range of those emotions. And so maybe you're always using to accept just to see rage or, or anger or sadness. Um, and sometimes if, if you notice those things a lot in other people, maybe that's something that you're dealing with internally too. Like mm-hmm. maybe if you always see someone who's mad or who's um, frustrated all the time, maybe you yourself are dealing with some frustration and anger that you don't even know that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's why those types of things that you're not able to accept in others that you're seeing um that maybe that's something that you need to accept with yourself that maybe you're dealing with subconsciously or under, underneath kind of your skin that, that is bubbling up in ways that you don't even know. Um, and so that's kind of another thing that they talk about is sometimes you see these things in others and then so accept them for who they are and for what they're going through. And sometimes that means that you'll be able to accept those things that you're feeling mm-hmm. um, and it'll kind of all like smooth out. Um, I think this is, like it's kind of hitting me as we're as as you're talking about about t- to me I think it's so significant and important for people to hear and even for me to think about the idea of telling Jenna you're feeling sad because and how it relates to this at a super macro level in the United States or it seems like in in western culture where like you're supposed to be masculine and you're not, it's like, you're not really, I think obviously culture is more accepting of, of this now, or like, at least for us living in Seattle, it seems like in the last 10, yeah. 15 years to be more expressive and say how you feel. But, you know, in, in, in pop culture and like what you see, it's all about like, nothing bothers me. I can go through, I can get through anything. I'm never sad. I'm never down. Nothing can ever slow me. That's like, that's, that's not realistic. You know, I think the people that are the most resilient are the people that have the, some sort of like well-roundedness to be able to like identify that and feel comfortable enough to say, I'm not feeling well, Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling good. And I think it's, it's interesting to talk about because it's, that's just, it's like not what we're taught to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy, you know, not to get like too, uh, you know, don't want to get too much into like some sort of philosophy, but like, it's the same way with like, with like food and health. 
in that it's pretty basic what we should be doing. But we've been taught and we've been sold something so far removed from Mm -hmm. those basics. Uh, If you feel sad, maybe you should accept that. And maybe you should tell your significant other or someone you work with or one of your buddies because that's what's real. Yeah. What's fake is nothing ever bothers me. I'm never sad. I'm never (laughs) mad. Right. But that's how we're supposed to act. That's the music I listen to. It's like you're cool. Like nothing bothers you. And it's kind of the same way with food where as we've been, you know, educating ourselves more and more, it's pretty simple. You just eat real food. Mm -hmm. That's basic. But we're, you know, as far as what we've been taught from our parents, what they've been taught, we're hundreds of years removed from the business of, of food, which is landed us here where everything we are sold is fake. And it's, I think it's kind of the same way psychologically. And as it pertains to like masculinity and femininity that like, you know, it's almost like you're not supposed to do that. You're not Mm -hmm. supposed to have feelings. You're not supposed to show them. Yeah. You know? So the acceptance of, of, of that is, is a, what's really huge to me. I think it's a huge, what's really great about it is because when I do, when I do notice that, like, Cause there's, there's, and this usually happens, I'll say this usually happens on like a Saturday where I'm just like, I'll like wake up and I'll just be like, I'm in such a great mood. And I can like literally like feel the love inside of me for like, not only myself, but for like other people. And I'm so and like the, when we met up for to have dinner at Josh's, this is one of those days I remember vividly. I remember like, I was like, I'm just so pumped up right now. Mm-hmm. Like I can just feel the love and like excitement in myself. For, to be like around other people that like I really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's exciting when you can notice that because then you can just like enable yourself to just be free and just like take advantage of the situation as much as possible. Yeah. Um, it's like you can't harness anything unless yeah. you stop and identify it. Yeah. You know, um, it's really cool. So I think like that, like acceptance commitment therapy also, it really helps on the challenges related to like painful feelings. And I think, um, it really first helps to like reduce them, the amount of them probably. Um, and then as you kind of, cause you're being able to recognize them. So then as you recognize them more and more and more, um, you'll be able to take specific actions on them. Um, and then, so like an example of like taking an, an action on that is, um, we talked about a little bit, a little bit before is, is you kind of, have the acceptance of the ability to allow internal and, exter- and external experiences to occur and to not resist it. And so example, like I'm a terrible person. I did this terrible thing. I, I'm worth nothing. Instead of saying that about yourself, you'll be able to realize you're having this feeling and this thought and this urge around maybe another person, yourself, a situation to then instead say, I'm having the thought that I'm a terrible person. So essentially you're removing yourself from that thought and that essentially removes the negative charge, if you will, around that, that, that idea. And so you're kind of de-vilifying yourself or mm-hmm. de, you're removing that pain and that hardship from yourself, which really makes it easier for you to accept yourself of like, I'm a person that's having bad thoughts. I'm a person that's feeling sadness. I'm a person that is having, um, pain instead of i'm a painful person i'm a sad person i'm an angry person this those those thoughts and feelings that you have don't define you right i was just gonna say you're not allowing those thoughts to define your character for that moment 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And really the goal of it, acceptance commitment therapy and kind of just acceptance, I think that's what we're talking about in general is, is our, the goal is really to make those painful experiences when they are painful, more manageable for you. And then to make those experiences when they're, when they're great, more enjoyable, just kind of being able to kind of manage those experiences, situations, urges, et cetera, um, on, on all those kinds of things, I think is really helpful. So there are a couple other things I wanted to like touch on, I think. Um, oh yeah. I think, uh, like how acceptance relates to social comparison. Um, we talked a little bit about social media, but also just like the way females look at themselves bases off of like all the magazines and how it's, I think it's also starting to leak into like guys too. I think, I think it's starting to leak more into that now as we get older. Um, I think as the, the way the print media is going. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think I identified it years ago, but I think it's always been there. Mm-hmm. We've always been, it's, it's weird because for us, like it doesn't like we've been influenced and it's been there and we've been kind of the victims of this kind of marketing world where you're just being sold everything. But, um, I think it's always been there. I think we've, as a guy, I've been making decisions based on what I think is socially sound and yeah. are you going to fit in or I don't want to fit in too much, but I want to be a little different. Like that's a, that's a sort of pushed influence, you know, rather than like, I don't know how many people are making decisions that are 100% not influenced by the world around them. You know, be- I think that's next to impossible. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you'd almost have to be in, inhuman to, to be doing that. But, um, yeah, I do think more and more as like, it becomes so easy for our lives to be documented and to see so much more of other people's lives, um, for it to affect all the decisions that we're making, you know, down Mm -hmm. to, you know, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do think like, we also touched about on this a little bit is that acceptance and like fitting into groups specifically. Um, and I think sometimes people want to fit into a group and, and being part of a group is, is, I would say a really important thing. Um, we all kind of need that, that tribe, that community aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually would love to talk about this on another podcast at some point. Um, but there's been studies shown in, I think one of them was in the book outliers. And then I just read this article, um, and it's essentially about if you're part of a, a really strong community, um, that you have significantly lower health issues and all these sorts of benefits of being like this incredibly strong community. Mm-hmm. And they're testing this out in this one, um, area, I think in Europe where they're kind of initiate, they're creating these initiatives where you have to do com- they're like volunteers, um, and then kind of like designated people to be like community and getting people involved in the community. And it's over the last like three years, they've seen like 17% drop in like heart attacks and like less depression and like all these kinds of things based off of these programs of getting people involved in, in types of things. Um, but I think like, so I do think like community is incredibly important, but I think changing your values for the group just to fit in, I think 
um, is where you're kind of not accepting yourself. I think that's kind of goes hand in hand with you're not accepting your own beliefs and values because you want to fit in so bad. And so I think if you're able to like kind of step back, look at the group and look at their values and then look at your own values and see, is this really something that I want to be a part of? Is this going to change the way I think? Cause when you get into a group and the group starts talking and you start thinking that same way, but then if you take a step back from it and you're like, look at yourself and you're like, look at your own values. You're like, that's, that's not where my values align. Like that's not what I believe in. I believe in these things. Um, I think that's really harder to do as a younger person, but you can get swept up in it in any age. Um, I think it's interesting too to, to like think about community and how you're, how you become a, a part of a community as a kid, you don't realize how you're a part of several communities without your choice. You're going to school, mm-hmm. you're on teams, you've got family, you've got, you know, your parents, friends who have kids and that's pretty constant all the way up until college. And then your workplace can kind of provide that. And then all of a sudden, like you, I mean, you've got an interesting background to where you were in a fraternity. So you have something that, that carries on. Um, and I think sports provides that as you continue to move on. I've, always, I've obviously had a group of guys that I've always been in touch with because I was on a soccer team with them in college. But as an adult, all of a sudden, even beyond that, you move on from your frat bros and I move on from soccer and you're having to choose communities or you don't. And mm-hmm. you realize, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. Um, and I definitely realized at a point where when I started playing volleyball, like how healthy it was. And like, it was kind of funny to me at first where it took me a while to realize the benefits of the sport of volleyball requires you to talk to strangers and requires you to like adapt to some people go a little bit out of your comfort zone because you need four people to play at, at minimum. And I was a bit of a snob at first to where like, I wanted to like have my own group or I wanted to, you know, just like, you know, you want to feel comfortable. And when you go out and, um, you just like, you want to play and in a, in an interesting way, I think I've been influenced very positively by wanting to be a part of a community and wanting to change a few things about myself because I saw others thriving in that community. I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's been any real, like real like character or like personal morals or like values that have been affected. Um, But I've definitely been able to see how for a couple of years of my life, all I was doing was kind of like working in a relationship kind of going out with like, you know, work friends and like some friends and like not, not paying attention and like nurturing the fact that it's actually really good to put some effort into being a part of a, of some sort of community that's not just put upon you. Yeah. Because once the things that are put upon you are gone, if you don't have any practice or, or if you haven't been, mindfully putting effort into being a part of that community, you're somewhat lost. Mm -hmm. And very quickly I was like this thing where you show up to a park with a volleyball and your skills are at least at a certain level. This is a great community, you know, and immediately like this is just a tangent without much of a direction that I'm making. But 
Um, that community made me want to improve certain things. Like I, it was really fun to play. It was fun to be accepted by certain people because I was athletic enough to play volleyball, but I wasn't fundamentally sound at volleyball. But I immediately realized, uh, getting in better shape will make me a lot better accepted by many more people because I can, <laughs> because I can play better. Yeah. Yeah. You totally. know, so it was kind of a, kind of a funny thing. Um, and luckily there, there hasn't, there haven't been, you know, I can't, I'm sure I could think of something if I spent time on it, but I haven't thought, I, I can't think of any real like negative changes I've, I've felt pressured to make because I wanted to be a part of a community. So there's, there is a fine line where, uh, you know, being a part of a community can be detrimental, but also extre- it could be life-changing yep. in a good way. Yeah, totally agree. Um, well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up, don't you think? No, I've got a few more things. All right, let's how, keep riding. How, how much time have we got? What are we on? We're shooting for an hour, right? I think we're at at least over an hour now. Or we might just be coming up on an hour. I'm ready to keep going. I mean, we can cut it off whenever we want, but we are, ooh, we're at 58 minutes. All right. Well, let's keep going. So have you listened to any of the Joe Rogan podcast with Jordan Peterson, the clinical psychologist? I've listened to one of them. He's, he's incredible. I've been super interested by him and he's got a book out, um, called the 12 rules for life. I think it's, uh, subtitled an antidote for chaos. Um, and it's got 12 chapters and each of them has sort of a theme about taking a little bit more control of your life and how it relates to accepting responsibility. Like mm, thinking about where we that. are as a, as a humanity, as Joe Rogan loves to remind us, this is all very new. A couple hundred years is not a long time, right? So we're, like, and so I think why Jordan Peterson is so interesting and why so many people can relate is because he's a he's a doctor of clinical psychology, professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. He's he's similar to like Rhonda Patrick or Chris Cresser in a way in that he's he's so incredibly gifted that he takes extremely complex theories and philosophies about the history of mankind and helps you understand how you can apply it to your day tomorrow, which is, which is kind of bizarre. And yeah. which is why, like, it's kind of mind blowing to think about. <laughs> yeah. For me, I can't stop listening. And so like I went and I downloaded audible, got this book and I can't wait to get in the car every time to just keep listening to it. What's um, it called again? It's called, uh, it's by Dr. Jordan Peterson and it's called 12 rules for life. Uh, an antidote to chaos. Um, and each chapter is is kind of one line. Um, How long is it? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm only audio. I'm on audio, and I think I'm on the fourth chapter. Um, and I think I'm like thirty five ish percent through. I think the app tells me every time I turn it on. But chapter three is interesting. And so what I what I think, you know, it's, it may be kind of a, a stretch to relate this to acceptance, but like accepting responsibility his whole i'm not taking credit for this his whole uh foundation to to what he's studying and what he's kind of evangelizing is that um and i think everybody goes through this is like what am i living for like what what's the purpose of life what am i doing taking responsibility of 
of being a part of this tribe of humanity where you are, um, it really adds meaning to your life. And part of that responsibility is that we are here to help evolve so that obviously everyone knows the saying of like, I want to give my kids a better life than I had. Like, why don't you want to give your neighbor a better life if you have the ability to do that? Um, and so throughout some of the chapters, he's talking about your responsibility to others, your responsibility to the people before you, to your parents, to strangers. Um, but, uh, and there, there's a couple interesting analogies that he has. Like, uh, I want to talk about this one chapter, but there's one analogy that he use, uses that I like. And it's an analogy about any big problem in your life or maybe something that you're resisting doing. Um, and it's that he uses, take any problem. I don't know what it is, May, you know. Uh, a career change, a relationship change, uh, you know, something that's pending that could dramatically impact your life if you don't address it. And he addresses it as a fire breathing dragon in your lawn, on your lawn, and you're inside. And you have two choices. And accepting the reality of these two choices can be life changing. Accepting that you can, and this is most people's. Uh, sort of uh, default choice. I wouldn't say choice. It's it's a subconscious choice. I think, um, and I think if you were to like, like really response. read it, yeah, default response. Because we don't have to part, part, uh, protect ourselves as we did primally at some point. You had to go fight to stay alive, like an animal. You have to fight to stay. We don't have to do that anymore. You, you know, you get a job, and chances are no one's trying yeah. to kill you, right? So, but using this analogy of one choice, which is the default, I'm going to stay inside and just hope that this dragon never comes down <laughs> and kills me. But inevitably, it's going to happen. Yeah. That dragon's going to burn your fucking house down, eat your roof off, and just fucking kill you. You can choose to do that, and a lot of people do, with whatever. Yep. Maybe they don't decide to ever drop their career and go do something else. Dump that significant other. Shed the friends that are holding them back. Like what? Like it's just it's easier to to not do anything, right? Yeah. That's e that's what's safe. That's what's easier. And action is the big is the easiest action. Yes, and uh, so and obviously the flip side of that is okay. I've got some time. Maybe I should start figuring out how I can maybe go outside and slay that fucking dragon. And I think that's a perfect analogy for life and accepting the reality and. And I think it's so empowering once you realize and accept the fact that shit is going to happen. You're going to get fired. And he he does not like he does not pull any punches. He's like, there is malevolence. He uses the word malevolence a lot, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, I don't remember the exact definition, but it's essentially evil. It's orchestrated evil, yeah. calculated evil. There are people out there trying to fuck you. Yep. You know, that's just what they're. And so. You're going to be cheated on. You're going to lose a job. You're going to go broke. You're going to whatever. And so there's kind of two roads to take. And some people, victim. it seems like most people victimize themselves. Like, oh, well, I lost my job. Like, well, and there's others that are like, okay, and fucking move on. Like, yeah. go, go do it. Like, defend yourself. And I think that. It's part of your responsibility, and, and I agree with what he's saying. Again, this isn't my philosophy, but I'm, I'm adopting it. It's part of your responsibility to take that second choice of action because if it wasn't for 
a few people along the history of mankind taking the responsibility to go slay that dragon, we are not here. We are not evolving. We are not coming up with um, with cures to mm-hmm. sicknesses. We're not doing that. If, if, if the world was made up of people who just go, well, because there's a dragon, we're all going to die. We all die. And like yeah. nothing evolves. Like houses don't get stronger. Workforces don't become more resilient. Relationships don't evolve. Science doesn't evolve. Like, and so I love that. Um, and, and so he, he, he somehow kind of segues that into, um, um, treating yourself like someone you're responsible for helping, um, and accepting that responsibility. And it, it hit me almost ironically as you reading that book after a shitty day of golf in that, uh, he uses an example of if you have a pet that gets sick and you take it to the doctor and you're supposed to do something. Stephanie's dog has leg surgery. There's this regimen we have to do and we are fucking on it. Like, cause yeah. it's your dog and, and you have this, you've accepted this responsibility that if I don't do right by this dog, the rest of its life is going to be negatively impacted and it's all going to be my fault. Yet we don't think about ourselves that way. A lot of times. Yeah. We sabotage ourselves over and over and over because eh, no one's going to blame us but ourselves. I mean, you know, your family and friends might talk some shit to you or your parents might, you know, totally tell you the truth from time to time. But when it's someone else, you feel that emotional obligation and you take pride in, oh, you know what? I'm supposed to do. And there's something gratifying about helping someone else. And so for me and Stephanie did, you know, most of this work with the dog, but like, Icing a dog's leg after every single walk. Wow. Making sure, and this dog jumps on the couch normally, making sure the dog doesn't jump on the couch, doesn't jump off if we if we do pick her up. Um, the dog has to do like little stretches with, and this is all, and, and this, this is chapter three, treating someone else, no, sorry, treating yourself like. You would treat someone else. Treating yourself like someone you were responsible for helping. Okay. And I was just thinking about how much attention we paid to making sure that we were doing the right thing by that dog. But how little and, attention we pay to ourselves. Yeah. And I think, fact. you know. Or how many of us. How many of us. And just, I mean, I think we're, we're getting better. And the, in a weird way, the more the internet exposes us to negative things, the more we're exposed to solutions and 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 uh, revolutionary ways to tackle old problems. Like there are better ways to take care of yourself, but I think that's a really interesting part of his book. And I'm so pumped to listen to the rest of it because like, I don't know, there's this real kind of like, it seems like this old school, like football coach mentality of like fucking reach down, grab your fucking nuts and take care, like take care of your fucking business. I was going to relate it to, it sounds like uh, Jocko Willenek. Yeah. And then also, did you read, listen to the David Goggins one? Yeah. So I was going to ask, does he come up with any sort of tactics or is it kind of just like he, be he fucking disciplined? And no. So we have, that, that can be very frustrating for people who need, who don't have that discipline. Like some people just have that discipline. Usually both those guys are in the military. A lot of us just, it's hard to develop that discipline over time on our own without having been forced to be disciplined yeah like you are in branches of the military so i think responsibility is a key word for for 
and especially in how Jordan Peterson and his guidance really differentiates itself from uh, uh, David Goggins or um, Jocko Willink in that they're kind of just brute force. Like you listen and we were talking about Jocko Willink's Instagram and he's like, when you're thinking about not working out, just fucking do it. And you're like, oh, thanks, man. Like, well, you're a life changer. Like, whatever. Like that works for some people. But like uh, Jordan Peterson, he takes an approach to where he's like, when you're thinking about not working out, he relates it to your responsibility to like your family and your place in humanity. And so that you feel not that you're guilted, but you feel empowered because you're playing a role in bettering yourself, bettering yourself, taking that responsibility to do something you may not want to do for a few fucking minutes. In most cases, it's not like you're going to work out for six hours, but using that analogy or whatever, like I, I like it because there's so much. Like I said earlier, he's taking hundreds of years of psychology and explaining to you why procrastinating, why not doing the right thing, why that goes against the evolution of our society. And when you think about it sometimes like that, you're like, whoa, well, fuck me just going to do this for 30 minutes. If I don't have time for a two hour workout, doing the right thing for 30 minutes and having that mindset of doing the right thing because it's the right thing and because it's going to affect the people around yeah. me and because I have this response, it's not a, it's not for your abs. You know, it's, it's no, the vision so much bigger. And so it makes it seem yeah. so easy to decide I'm going to go work out. Yeah. I'm not going to have that drink. I'm going to spend an extra few minutes cooking a, nutri- a nutritionally sound meal instead of stopping at fucking Wendy's on the way home. Like it's a, it's a, it's a be different more engaged with people that I'm with in my life. Right. It, because it's, it's, it's it's almost this huge idea that's that's so massive, but it's broken down into this almost this small idea of like how can I do things to help other people? Yeah. And if I go work out, if I am hundred percent engaged with someone like like we are right now, if I go do this thing at work and help somebody out, that's gonna make their life better. Maybe I'm gonna be more positive when I'm talking to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, I'll be able to relieve someone's stress by by talking through a difficult conversation with them. Um, maybe I lift some some weight off of this person's shoulder by taking some work off of them. Yeah. Um, and then they're going to be able to then go and do something else better for their life and the other people in their life. And it's like this cascading effect for like all of humanity, which is like kind of fucking insane. You, you think just think about, about if <laughs> everyone was having this thought process and all of their decisions, how different everything would be. Yeah. And for me, like, perfect example and you know i think i arrived or we arrived at this through a different sort of route but the other day when we were like let's not fucking record until again let's not record again until we've given ourselves several days to do some research to write some notes down because we want to be more deliberate because if we're doing this we're recording and we're asking someone to listen yeah it's our responsibility to fucking prepare (laughs) And I think we've listened to some of our episodes and you're like, uh, and we've gotten a little bit of feedback where people are like, could be a little bit more concise, a little bit more focused. And, and so I think it bleeds into just everything. You get a little, like a little bit more deliberate about everything you're doing. And that like 2% could be the biggest change Mm -hmm. in your life. And I think spending time with people and, you know, if, if like, if we're going to come here and do a thing, 
why aren't we thinking about how to get the most out of it every yeah. time? Yeah. You know, so like, I, I think that's like, I can't, I can't wait to read the rest of that book. I, I need to it's check a really it out. interesting book because it perspective is everything. Like, and he's just, and he's got tons of, uh, well, actually there's something really funny happening in his career. He's a professor, obviously university of Toronto, but he started putting little clips of his small speeches on YouTube and they're having hundreds of thousands of views and the school is going, uh, we want kids to pay for your brilliance. And he's going, well, I, my, like my job right now is to be a professor, but my responsibility to humanity, he was talking to Joe Rogan about this. Oh. My responsibility to humanity is to make sure as many fucking people hear what I'm saying. Cause I'm being told it's changing lives. Right. Yeah. He's like, to me, it's just my opinion. It's kind of the amalgamation of, everything I've learned throughout my schooling, but I'm realizing that people watching a five minute video is changing their lives. Who am I to, to limit that. it to people who have the money and the time to pay for the school yeah. or, you know, come, come to this university in fucking Toronto. And so he's having this sort of moral dilemma where he's, he's, he's going, what, what should I do? And Joe Rogan's going, well, you can monetize YouTube. And he's like, yeah, I know. Like I, I've got to, I've got to figure out what to do with my career. Do I just become a, Quote, unquote motivational speaker yeah. and share my intellectual riches with the world or do I just stay here at the school and uh that's interesting and do what I'm supposed to be doing but uh yeah it's a good it's a good read that's it's a good listen really interesting uh you kind of mentioned something a little bit ago of how I just finished this book by Peter Diamond I think it's I think it's Diamond um it's called Collapse it was a fucking beast of a book. Oh my fucking god! A beast Dude, being literally just like long, long. It was like five hundred forty pages. Whoa. The text went to the very edges of the page, like oh, the, the top. It was, it, yeah, it was a beast. Um, and it talks about how why why societies choose to collapse or succeed. Mm. And there's like he has like this five point framework of all. Um, it was like um, environment. Um, what do you choose to do with your environment? Like, does the climate change? Do you have friendly neighbors? Do you have um, on hostile neighbors? And I'm blanking on the other one. Um, it's like something to do with like your food sources and stuff like that. But he talks about how people today, a lot of people today, and he talks about like mining, um, deforestation. Um, he also talks about like overfishing things and all these things that we're doing that are creating a lot of struggle in the, in the world that we're starting to feel a more like vice, like grip that's especially going to be felt later on if we don't address these problems and solve them. And it's essentially how people who have the mindset of, well, who cares if like that mine is leaking toxins into the water. So all the fish die and, or who cares if we cut down all the trees for, for timber because well then like, there's going to be massive soil erosion and like, we're not going to, it's not going to rain as much anymore um, because like I'm, I'll be dead, but that's like such a different, like if you're doing everything for your kids, for them to have a great life when they live up and grow up and for their kids and mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're giving money to them. You're, you're going to pass on it. You're building a will. You're going to pass on your estate to them. You're doing all these things to better your children for their life moving forward but you're not going to do the same for like the environment and for like the global society yeah. in general. 
Um, that's why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Um, and so like that idea of the whole, everything encompassing it is like really interesting because well, it might be very minuscule and this is super micro, but like recycling a water bottle instead of throwing away. Yeah. It's like, that is a way of helping everybody else in the world. Well, and like, it's a requirement because it's not something that one person can just do. One person can't go, I'm going to tackle the environment. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it requires a little bit of effort from mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. And it's interesting because we're all, we're all the beneficiaries of other people's good deeds, yet we're so easy to be, we're so quick to be selfish. You know, like, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm a good person. I don't need to go out of my way to recycle a thing or go volunteer or like do something that maybe doesn't have personal gratification immediately. Yet we're living in this beautiful place that's only here because the people before us, at least at least some of them, you know, probably a lot of them care. Mm -hmm. They cared to maybe not always do the easy thing, but maybe do the right thing that will affect generations to come. So who are we to say we're not going to do it when we're consuming the riches that someone else kind of yeah. left us. Yeah. It's fucking bizarre. It's kind of getting me pissed off. Yeah. It's okay. You accept Let's that you're go. getting pissed off. Yeah. I'm about to accept that I need to make sure to recycle these things on the way out of here. Actually, stuff got mad at me because I didn't recycle a bag of stuff the other day. Yeah. I've got, I've got Jenna checking like all the labels for recycling. It's kind of funny. Um, you have any other points that you want to talk about? Um, you said you had a few. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got my allergies are finally starting to kick in. That's that's the big one. I mean, I had a bunch of random notes just from like quotes and and kind of attitudes that I've adopted from you know a handful of the other podcasts I listen to. I mean, um, kind of I, I, I had different perspectives from. Gary V, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson. Obviously, I talked about the Jordan Peterson thing. I like how one of Joe Rogan's mottos, and I think a lot of the shirts that he's selling, and he's got, kind of got, I wouldn't call it an Instagram campaign because I don't think he thinks about it that way, but he's all about conquer your inner bitch. Oh, yeah. And, you know, those. he's got a post where he's dripping sweat in the gym. He's like, I didn't want to fucking do this today, but I did it. And I've, I've never regretted a workout. I've always regretted not working out. And I kind of like that. Obviously, I'm able to run with it and derive something from it because I've listened to all of his podcasts and they kind of have a theme and he approaches stuff. And, you know, uh, ex- you know, accepting that responsibility and that uh, obligation you have to yourself to where if you want to live a long life, if you want to be mentally sound you got to accept the responsibility and that is a lot of times when you want to go work out you don't feel like it so i i I like that theme of conquer your inner bitch and like listening like okay i'm 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 about to talk myself out of working out right now yeah and i can decide right now that i'm going to talk myself into it and i like i like that and then actually i just heard something uh from gary vaynerchuk the other day is, uh, you know, he always talks about winning DNA versus losing DNA. Mm. And, you know, he, he often meets with people and he thinks one of his responsibilities is, and this kind of aligns with his business model around his podcast, his YouTube shows, Facebook channel is he's giving the sauce away. He's just like, 
it's my, my like my responsibility i think is to to live in a way to where i'm i'm practicing what i'm preaching and i'm i'm truly giving away my intellectual property to people so that uh they can go do something like with their lives and he's like uh when i think about winning losing winning dna versus losing dna i can pretty much tell if someone's a winner or a loser by if they complain within the first hour of me meeting them. If, if you have, and you know, when you start thinking about this for yourself, like, Oh shit, like, am I a loser? But like, <laughs> cause it's so easy to complain, but he likes, you know, he's very, very macro and everything, not everything, but in a lot of what Most he talks things, about, he's yeah. like, how the fuck can you be complaining and losing DNA? You could sit here and go, in the United States of America, we're in the worst times of ever. You know, it seems like everyone's racist. There's shootings happening. There's, well, you also could, and you might be right in saying that, um, but you could also go, this is also the best time ever. There's more resources. There's fewer barriers to success than there's ever been because of the internet and because of how it's so like if you want to learn to do anything there's no excuse because you can fucking google it and find a re- yeah. free resource to tell you how to do it and yeah. you complaining is essentially you admitting well i just don't want to put the work in i don't want to put the time in and you're accepting your inner bitch you're accepting your inner bitch and you're letting it thrive and he i love how he always talks about he's like when people complain about their lives uh, well i guess let me step back he likes to focus on happiness cuz he's like dude I know a lot of people that make 35 grand and are happier than fucking Tom Brady will ever be. Right. Mazel tov, as he loves to say, Mazel tov. Yeah. You know, enjoy your life. But if he also knows plenty of people that make $270,000, seems like they should have a lot to be happy about, but they're miserable. And so he's like, if I'm talking to that person who makes, you know, $140,000 a year, yet they have a bunch of complaints. And I ask, okay, what do you do during the day? Well, I work from eight to five. What do you do after that? Well, I I go home and I spend time with my kids. Oh, yeah? Well, what is that? Well, are you playing video games for two fucking hours? Are you actually spending time with your son? And he always, he likes to talk about how he's in fact, he, you know, breaks a day up in three, eight hour chunks. You're sleeping for eight, well, normal people. Sleeping for eight, working for eight. What's that other eight? Yeah. If you're complaining, first off, address your job. Is there, are there changes you can make there? If not, or if you're happy with the job or whatever, what are you doing with that other eight hours? Before you start complaining or when you're complaining, like mm-hmm. look at yourself and go like, am I, am I doing anything yeah. to fix the problems that cause me to complain? And I kind of like that. Like when you hear more and more stuff like that, it, I catch myself all the time. I'm like, you know, I might be like, fuck, I don't want to go to work today or, oh, I don't want to go. Okay. Who's making me do anything? I'm an adult. I don't have to go anywhere. I do not have to go anywhere. If I want to live where I want to live, if I want to buy those shoes, if I want to drive this car, go on that vacation, then there's some things you got to do to afford yourself those luxuries. But like, if you're complaining, take a, take like a serious non-bias, um, like reality accepting look at, at what you're dealing with. And if you're not doing the things that lead to what you want, then how can you be complaining? Yep. Or, you know, if you're not complaining and you're living whatever life, like that's, that's, I think that's the goal, right? Yep. If you're fucking working at Wendy's and you're super happy to go to 
trivia night every Tuesday and margarita night every Monday. And like, you're just fucking happy. Like you've won. Like yeah. that's the win is just yeah. being happy. Not like, you know, that's kind of your definition of, of, of whatever it is, but. And then wrapping this back into like acceptance. I think those are the people who've accepted that they're happy. Maybe an acceptance doesn't mean that like you just accept what or where you're at. Like you don't just accept like, Oh, I'm, I'm this kind of a volleyball player. I'm this kind of a golfer. I'm this kind of a tennis player. I I'm have this flexibility in yoga. I can do these types of poses or I, I can read these, this type of a book or I'm this place in my career that doesn't acceptance doesn't mean just being satisfied and accepting where you are. It, it means that you've accepted the things that have happened in your life that have gotten you to this place, but then also knowing that those values that you have and accepting those values that you have. And then if you do want to go push further up to, to be higher up um, and to better yourself and whatever those feels that you really want to exceed are, um, then to know that, that that's what you want to do and accept those things and then take action on those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's really no like best of both worlds in the sense of you want something, but you're not willing to accept what it takes to get that thing. Yeah. Or I'm unhappy with what I have, but you're not willing to make the changes to make yourself like there. You, it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Either you just you're 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 unhappy and you're probably unaccepting of reality. Otherwise, like it's all in a, in a way, it's some sort of math equation where. You know, you're the sum of of all the well, things. I think, you're, I think you're you can. In. I think you can accept where you are, and you can accept that you're not where you want to be yet. And but I think as long as you're working towards where you want to be, and you're accepting the small pieces of progress as you go along, and accepting that it's going to take work, that's how you're going to get there. If you're yeah. not accepting that it's going to take work or whatever it is, like you're not going to get there. But if you're accepting that it's going to take work. Yeah, and you're accepting of yourself of where you are at currently, and then if you kind of can visualize yourself being there eventually, and and then once you get there, accepting that it did take a lot of hard work, and then accepting the things that maybe the maybe all the hard work that you did, maybe you maybe you're more unhappy now because like you've just grinded it out for 15 years. Maybe like that's when time it takes a step back and like accept. Oh, hey, I made these decisions. How can I kind of take a objective view on this decisions that I've made that have gotten me to where I am? And how can I kind of those values that initially started me getting to where I am? How can I kind of mold those values in to where I want to be to make myself happier? Um, and I think acceptance kind of plays a role. It's not a defined set. It's kind of, I can't think of the specific word right now, but yeah. you do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like you're, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but you're a perfect example. You could just sit and sulk and complain that you don't have a job, but that, that in both cases, you might be accepting of, of the reality, but you're not complaining because you are doing the things that it takes to get to where you want to go. Is that yeah. kind of touch on like, what you're saying? Yeah. Or sort of even in, in, in my position, like, uh, I, you know, 
I think it's important to understand like what does like make you happy. And I think, I think generally like I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am right now, but that doesn't mean that I'm satisfied. Yeah. That, that's right. Doesn't that's mean right that I'm there. just going to like sit and hang out. And so, um, I realized that it's taken work to get here and it's going to take work or, and, or maybe changes like breaking up, like even though I've gotten here and I feel happy, right. Based on how I feel today. But if there's something more I want to achieve, you do have to accept that even though what you've been doing has worked to get you here, it may not be what's required to get you to that next point. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a very gray, yeah. it's a very gray that's, thing, but that's what I was looking for, gray area. I guess I kind of think that's what our podcast is for is you don't, you can understand a lot of these things much more when you start talking about them. And when you start listening to other people, it starts this dialogue in your mm-hmm. head of like, what's, what's really going on? Yeah. You know? So, and I, I do think that's really where, how we got inspired to do this to begin with is I think everyone's felt at some point in their life, like, you know, oh, you know, I don't want to say stagnant. I don't want to say lost, but just kind of lack of conviction or lack of like tangible direction yeah. and listening to other people talk about their lives evolving and stuff super inspiring so obviously we're not billionaires yet but i i think that people listening to some some dialogue about this stuff that's maybe not so sexy to talk about is the real stuff that you gotta you gotta accept to make some change you know exactly think about getting an acceptance tattoo right now (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think that's a great place to wrap it up uh that's like the one hour and a half mark perfectly so um thank you to our listeners really appreciate you guys listening and let's just ramble about acceptance for a while um hope thank you guys you. can take some take some uh take some bits and stories from us and apply it to your own lives in a, in a good way and uh to reiterate thank you so much like we realize what it takes to take a little bit of our time to organize to get here to do this so we we don't take for granted that you're uh, you're taking some time whether you're driving to work or working out or you know just listening to us and so don't hesitate to uh, hit us up on the interwebs Twitter shoot us a text like let us know what you're thinking where we can improve or where we helped like that's that's what it's here for um, thank you.